The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. The essence of the feast that we celebrate today, Our Lady of Sorrows, can be found in those two questions that are tucked into the 20 verses of the sequence that we just sung. Two questions in verses 5 and 6, which communicate the reason for this feast, which is not merely to honor Our Lady. Is there one who would not weep, the song says? Is there anybody who would not weep whelmed in misery so deep, Christ's dear mother to behold. In looking upon her and the overwhelming misery that comes upon her, is there anyone who would not weep? Then the second question follows immediately upon it. Can the human heart refrain In other words, is it even possible for the human heart not to partake in her pain, in that mother's pain, untold? And note that in the song, in that beautiful hymn, The Stabat Mater, the assumption is that the answer to both of those questions is no, there's nobody who wouldn't weep. And no, it's impossible for the human heart not to participate. But the simple fact of the matter is we don't. And there are many who glance at the sorrows of Our Lady and The heart is unmoved. And there are all too many of us who bear the name Christian, who gaze upon the reality of the cross, but we do not participate. We stand and watch at a safe distance. The point, the reason for the great devotion to the sorrows of Our Lady is it underscores for us how unmoved our hearts often are by what Christ has done for us. 
how easy it is to live in indifference to all that Christ has done for us, to all that Christ has borne for us, to all that Christ has suffered to us. How many days do we live where we do not even give it a passing thought? How easy it is to say with the lips, Jesus saved me, and then live in a way that indicates I really don't believe that. To rest in my sins, to respond to the Lord with indifference. This is the reality that this particular devotion, this particular feast, is on the calendar to address. The simple fact of the matter is the Lord has undergone so much for us and we so easily, so frequently, so persistently, so readily live with a certain numb indifference to it, a certain forgetfulness of it, a deep lack of appreciation. And that's the simple truth. And so one might say, but the mystery is so great, it's overwhelming. And so we turn to that one who was placed at the foot of the cross as the handmaid of our salvation, the handmaid of these mysteries. And we see that on that day, when the Lord endures and suffers so much for us, there is one set of eyes that will not look away. And there is one who is standing there who is not so preoccupied with her private pain and her private loss that she does not appreciate and understand and see and honor all that is happening on that cross. And the tears she sheds are not merely indications of her personal pain. They are shed over the harsh indifference of a world that will so brutally use the very Son of God himself, her son. They are tears that are shed over the horrible reality that those many hearts for whom he spills his blood remain in a stony indifference to all that is happening. As if as the Lord pours out his blood on the cross, the world that he came to save says, that's wonderful but I really don't need it. That's wonderful, but I really don't care. That's wonderful, and I'll get around to appreciating it later. Imagine, imagine how much worse Calvary would have been for the Lord if there was no one there to see, to witness, to understand, and to appreciate. The simple fact of the matter is, 
the world looked upon the sufferings of Christ and was not moved. And so what do we do? We look upon the mother so that we can see in the movements of her heart, in the sighs that issue forth from her, in the tears and the grief that flow from her eyes, we are shown once again how great a work this is. And we see how it must be appreciated. Our Lady sorrows at the cross because she will not allow any wound that her son receives to be unappreciated, unremembered, unloved, or unmourned. And she sighs at the foot of the cross and she weeps an ocean of tears at the foot of the cross because she will not allow any of those hearts for whom he bears so much not to receive the benefit of her prayers. Her suffering at the foot of the cross, as we hear at the very beginning of the earthly life of Jesus, when she carried her recently born infant into the temple, to present him before the Lord, to present him before the people. Elderly Simeon comes forward, takes the child from her, looks at him, looks at the infant, and in looking at the infant sees the face of salvation. But seeing the face of salvation, he says, this child is destined for the rise and the fall of many. And he will be a sign that will be contradicted, opposed, rejected, not accepted. And this mother hears these words about the future of her child. And as the old man continues, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says to her, and you, and you, the child will be the sign that will be contradicted. And you will be there. You yourself will be pierced, thrust through with a sword. Linger with that, those words for a moment. Know what he doesn't say? He doesn't simply say you'll suffer. He doesn't simply say you'll be sad. He doesn't simply say you will know pain. Because if you're thrust through with a sword, you do a lot more than hurt. You die. You will be wounded to the point of death by a sword, a sword of sorrow. A sword of bitterness, a sword of grief, a sword of loss. That will happen to you. You will be pierced, thrust through, he says. And he continues, because there's more. Because that thrusting through that exquisitely great depth of agony, 
has a reason. It's because your heart and my heart are closed. She will be pierced. You will be pierced by a sword so that the thoughts of many hearts may be opened up. For the opening of our hearts, her heart is pierced. This is the origin of those images of the heart of Our Lady that have a sword. The words of elderly Simeon, gazing upon the face of the infant Savior and seeing what lies ahead for the son and the mother. And note how when the Holy Spirit speaks through him, the Spirit is announcing. She has an inseparable role, an intrinsically important and vital role in all that would happen with her son. And her role is at the service of helping our hearts open to receive the benefit of all that happens. And so she is placed at the foot of the cross because we are not capable of understanding. We are too indifferent and too unwilling to repent and change. Our hearts are hearts of stone. And so she is there. And she sheds those tears for the softening of our hearts. She looks upon what he suffers and she appreciates it to a depth and extent that we cannot. So that in this world there is one who will mourn. There is one who will value. There is one who will appreciate what Christ has done. And in doing so, out of that great appreciation, there will also be one to pray for us. This is why it becomes so beautiful, this poignant and painful and yet glorious moment where the Lord, giving his life on the cross, looks down and sees his mother. And note how St. John, or better, the Holy Spirit speaking through St. John expresses it. He sees his mother, and in seeing his mother, he sees the disciple whom he loved. It's fascinating, that passage from St. John's Gospel, because just a verse earlier, St. John tells us who was there, and he doesn't mention this disciple. Mary was there, and Mary the wife of Clopas was there, and Mary Magdalene was there. We don't hear about a beloved disciple, do we? And then suddenly we, see, we hear that then Jesus looked, and Jesus saw. Jesus, in seeing his mother standing there, sees someone else as he sees his mother. What a remarkable mystery that is. The beloved disciple is seen by Jesus when he sees his mother. And it's at that moment, at that moment, he emphasizes that intrinsic connection between Our Lady and us. 
In seeing her, he sees those whom he loves. In seeing her, he sees you. She stands at the foot of the cross. And Jesus looks out and sees that disciple and those disciples whom he loves. In seeing her, he looks upon you. How marvelous. And so it is then that he says to her, Woman, behold your son. And on the one hand, he is speaking physically about the beloved disciple John, who wrote that gospel there with her. But on the other hand, he is doing something remarkable. Just two days ago, we read in the Gospel of St. Luke the account of Jesus raising to life the dead son of a grieving widow in the city of Nain. Now he says to that son, Arise, young man, and he gives him to his mother. And that he did this because he saw the tears and the grief of the widow. Not because anybody came and asked him. But he looked upon the widowed mother grieving her beloved son. And seeing her tears, he brought the dead man to life and gave him to her. And look what happens now. That moment years earlier in his ministry is the anticipation of what happens now. Jesus looks down, and he sees his widowed mother weeping and grieving over the loss, over the dying of her beloved son, but also over the death that has settled into the hearts of so many in this world. And seeing the tears of this widow, the tears of this mother, he once again brings the dead to life. Not the physically dead, but the spiritually dead. And so it is. He gives life to the beloved disciple, spiritual life, and gives him to his mother. Behold your son. As he did those years earlier in the city of Nain when he brought the raised young man to his widowed mother and said, Behold your son. So here at the foot of the cross on Calvary, Jesus does that now in a way that is more gloriously true. And then he turns to that disciple. And he says to him, Behold your Mother, behold her in her weeping. Behold her in her sorrow. Behold her in the way her heart grieves and moves for all that I do. Behold how great as well her love for you and behold those tears that give you birth. Behold those tears that win life for you. Behold your mother and number yourself among the living. That long hymn, the Stabat Mater, which preceded our gospel reading today, turns on this very idea. Behold her. 
See her, if you would see Mary, truly see her at the foot of the cross and behold her there. Behold her there. Oh, we celebrate Our Lady by many titles. There are many forms of devotion to Our Lady. But note when the Lord says, Behold, this is the face of Our Lady. Is there one who would not weep? Can the human heart refrain from partaking in her pain? Not if we take Jesus seriously and really behold. And in that beholding, can our hearts not be moved? Not be moved with love for her and not be moved to unite ourselves with her and not be moved to truly come to understand how great it is, this salvation that he has done for us. Because when we behold her here at the foot of the cross, we behold that one who understands what it is to say, the Son of God suffers. The Son of God dies. The Son of God wins salvation. For us, for a human race that from the beginning has given God nothing but its back, how absolutely wonderful and remarkable. Her heart is pierced so that ours might be open. And having reflected upon this, note how wonderful it is that we, who are told by the Lord himself to look upon her and to see our mother that we might be numbered among the living, then are given the unspeakably great privilege of coming forward and stretching out our hands and receiving him. Consider as you come forward for Holy Communion today how when his body was taken off the cross and given to her, broken, wounded, badly used by this world, badly used by our sinfulness. Consider that her hands received that wounded body of her son. And consider the love with which she received it. Consider the love with which she caressed those wounds that a wicked and unjust world inflicted upon him that my sins and your sins inflicted upon him. And consider the unspeakably great gratitude, even in her sorrow, as she received that body of her son for the great work of salvation, the great sacrifice of himself, because by those wounds he made you her daughter, or her son. And as you come forward then, and you stretch out your hand to receive his body here today, ask for a share in that same love, to appreciate that body, wounded on Calvary for you, and yet now gloriously risen, alive, 
for you, alive so that you might have the fullness of life. And in receiving him, rejoice with her. On the calendar, this feast is tagged simply as a memorial. And yet there is something unspeakably great and unspeakably mighty about it. It's the greatness of Calvary, the greatness of salvation, and the greatness of the need for our hearts to avail themselves of her help that we might open to all that Christ has done for us in its glorious fullness. Amen.